0: Guys, if I have not gotten to personally meet you at some point, my name is Kristen and I'm one of the leaders here. And um, just really happy to have you guys here with us tonight. This is the third week of our Advent series that we've been doing at Valley. I feel like any church that you go to in the month of December is going to be an Advent series. It's just, it's what we do. And so um, tonight I want to start off with a quote from the wise old philosopher Charles Brown. He says, I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. Um, most of us have probably seen Charlie Brown Christmas. If not, you've got a week to watch it. Um, On a big level or a small level, raise your hand if you've ever felt like disappointed about anything during the Christmas season. It could be like something super heavy, It could be something super small, like something just didn't, it didn't go as planned. Maybe it was a gift that you were so excited to give someone and it just wasn't received with the reaction that you kind of imagined in your mind. Maybe it's that you didn't get the gifts that you wanted someone else to think of on your behalf. Um, Maybe, There have been people missing from your celebrations. Maybe you live far from loved ones. Maybe there is like fresh loss or a broken relationship and you cannot help but think someone else should be here and they're not and that feels sad. Um, Maybe the holidays marks an anniversary of something really hard and it's just, it comes up every year again and it feels so fresh and it feels like extra, the sting feels extra heavy because you, want to not be sad, but you do feel sad. And maybe you just have had a time where you just wanted it all to go differently. Maybe someone in your family has been sick over Christmas and your plans fell apart or something just, something happened and it did not live up to what you had built it up to be in your head. Maybe finances have been tight and you just could not make the magic happen for everybody like you felt like you should. Um, I personally am an idealist by nature. I'm also incredibly sentimental, very nostalgic. I am like always waiting for my life to feel like a Nancy Meyers film. If you are familiar with Nancy Meyers, she has directed movies like Father of the Bride and Father of the Bride 2 and The Holiday and all these movies where like there's just a feeling about it. There's usually like a cozy big house with a fire going and like family who's playing games and a chicken in the oven and I don't know you just feel like that that is what I want and uh, I'm like always looking for those moments but if you have spent any time around my family or been to my house lately it does not feel like a Nancy Meyers film we have lots of love in our house I have four kids who are ranging ages from eight down to one and a puppy who also feels one. So it's, and we're in the middle of a remodel and it just does not, there's nothing that feels like in order in our home. And so I have, on a, on a, honestly, like, it's a very not big deal. On the scale of life, it's just disruptive. That's all it is. It's not like tragic or heavy. Um, but I find myself just by my nature, always at odds with my idealism and then reality. And I think probably most of us can relate. Um, And the interesting thing is that whatever that thing is for you, the thing that you are often waiting for it to be different, to, to start a new season, to get out of your current season, for something to get better, for something to become healed or whole, we live with kind of this constant ache of waiting. And what is so fascinating and actually really cool to me is that God's people forever have had to live with the reality of waiting, literally always, for something. It's just one of the truest marks throughout the story of scripture. Um, And I have been working through this Advent devotional by an author named Ruth Cho Simons. It's called Emmanuel and she talks about this tension between our like earthly expectations and then a sense of expectancy, and living at odds with just the expectations that we build up in our mind of what we want and how we think things should be versus like expectancy about who the Lord is and the promises that he has kept and will keep. And God's people have had to do this very thing forever. For like the whole story of the Old Testament, God's people are waiting for the promised Messiah. We don't even have a category for how long they had to wait. It was generation after generation and people saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And then 400 of those years, God just went totally silent. They didn't hear anything new from him. And they just kept waiting. like. Grandparents and great-grandparents just kept telling the next kids that were coming, the Messiah's coming, he said he's coming. And they waited and then he comes. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And he didn't come in like a, you know, do-do-do-do way, he came like on the actual ground. It's really likely that he was born onto the ground. In a cave to a teenage woman who was probably scared and confused. There's really no more lowly way to enter the world. Not only did he not come on a white horse as a conquering king, he came through childbirth. It was the most humble way you could come anywhere. And as soon as he arrived, though there were people who got it and who celebrated, the clock for God's people started over, and there was more waiting. Because as soon as Jesus comes on the scene, they're waiting for him to grow up, and to like, become the conquering king that they think they've been waiting for. And they're waiting for him to do something, and he gathers his disciples, and they're waiting for him to start his public ministry, to tell people that he is Jesus and has the authority to forgive sins, and they're waiting for him to like, deliver them <clears throat> from Rome from oppression, and in a devastating turn of events, he dies. Like, in the most embarrassing, humiliating, public way, after they had continued waiting, and then the clock started over again. And they waited, his friends, his family, for what had to feel like the longest three days ever, I doubt they were even banking on him coming back because though he had told them and alluded to the fact, in three days, I'll rise again, I could imagine that, how how would they let themselves dare to hope that that was actually gonna happen? Everything they had just hoped for just fell apart, or so it seemed, and then he did, he woke up. He conquered actual death and then he left again. And the clock started over for the people of God. And it's in that era that we still live. And we have followed in the footsteps of the disciples and the apostles and the early church for more and more and more generations. And we wait. Because he said that he would come back. I want to read just a few scriptures to kind of... Turn our eyes to those future promises. The first one is in John 14, one through three. Jesus is sitting with his friends and he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. And then he said, you know the way to where I'm going. And in the book of Acts in chapter one, this is when Jesus departs from the earth and goes back to be with the Father. Acts one, verse nine, it says, after he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Lastly, Hebrews 9, verse 28. So also it is appointed for people to die once. And after this Nope, rewind. So also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are what? Waiting for him. And that's where we live. We've, we've always been awaiting people as the people of God. It's just what, they've, what we've always had to do. But the difference for us and so many of the generations of God's people long ago is that we have the gift of perspective. Like the reason why the nativity and the birth of Jesus, why any of that actually matters, like that in itself is a beautiful story because of the promise that it fulfilled and because of the fulfillment that it is, it began to fulfill for what it initiated in the way that God would reconcile us to himself. Think about that name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Again, it's easy to kind of like separate that from our own lives and think of it as like Emmanuel, God with us because he came and he came to the earth, the incarnation, Jesus becoming flesh. But it's, it was God with them and it's still God with us. John sixteen seven gives us just like the coolest reminder of why why God with us matters today still. John sixteen, seven. Again, this is Jesus talking to his friends. He says, Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor, or in some translations says the helper, will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. He's talking about his Holy Spirit and he tells his friends who get to like live life with him and touch him and eat with him, he says, it's actually better that I leave because then I can send my helper, my Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And so for us, I think sometimes there's this um, like a temptation to feel frustrated like, man, it just would have been so nice to see Jesus in person, it would have been so helpful to sit with him and talk to him and watch how he cared for people and ask him questions in person and see his eyes look at me. But for some reason, Jesus said, it's actually even better because you have my spirit with you at all times for those of us who follow Jesus and have made him king and lord of our lives. And so we experience this, the reality of Emmanuel, with us, inside of us, think of it as like the witness of God and so in a season like Christmas, we don't have to re- rely on kind of like this shallow, sentimental Christmas magic but we also don't have to be only like sad and defeated about heartache we face. Think about it like a pair of glasses like bifocals might even be a few people in here who wear bifocals it's two lenses in one frame so imagine that jesus represents that frame and in there he holds lens of reality also a lens of hope and we never have to be one without the other in jesus in the person of jesus we get to live in the honesty and the messiness of reality and also Get to hold in our other hand, like great, real hope at what he's done and will do. And so we live with kind of the weight of just earthly expectations. And also we can view them through the lens of like holy expectancy, clinging to his past promises, his past faithfulness, and like letting that bolster our faith to trust that he will do it again in the future. Um, The other advantage that we have is that we know the end of the story. We know how the whole thing is going to culminate. Revelation 21 verse three reads, then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And that's what we're waiting for. Like actual, the entire world is gonna be made right. There will be nothing wrong anymore. On like a huge scale and also we'll never get sick again. We won't experience grief or loss. There will be nothing to be sad about. It's hard to imagine things only being right. Um, In this devotional that I've been going through, like I said, the devotional called Emmanuel She writes this beautiful section about expectations and expectancy and says expectations leave us weary and discontent, believing we deserve more or better. They always leave us unfulfilled and doubtful about whether God is for our good. But expectancy is anticipation mingled with joy. It's believing God is who he says he is while waiting patiently for his good to be revealed, however he chooses to reveal it. Expectancy remembers what is already more than one deserves expectation demands more. When we come to the Christmas season with an expectant posture, we're led in hope, like the wise men led by the star. Expectancy sets our sights on God's promises rather than the empty pursuit of all that cannot satisfy in this season. In an earthly sense, I do not feel ready for Christmas. I made my kind of last minute list last night of like all the loose ends to tie up, the final gifts to buy, just all the random things. Um, and I was shocked at how many things were on the list. And I also was like, oh, and I, I don't know how I'm going to do all these things. Um, but in a spiritual sense, like if I can take the pressure off of my man made expectations, and enter this week with a spirit of expectancy and hope, it might change nothing about my list, but it might change everything about my posture and my heart. Sometimes I think we in like the American church slap on a um, Jesus is the reason for the season (laughs) to make ourselves feel better a little bit, Um, but it often feels like an afterthought at least for me, sometimes I get to like the week before Christmas and I'm like, shoot, I should read about Advent, (laughs) I should like open my Bible or I should think about the Christmas story or um, something like that and we just go around and like say to each other like, December, you guys, is so crazy, so, is so crazy, right? Is it crazy for, it's just so, I know, it's so busy and we just like say it and we do all the things and then we're like, but remember kids, it's really about Jesus. Like, don't forget. And I get frustrated with my kids sometimes when I feel like they're so focused on their presents or their Christmas list or Santa. And I just feel like, man, I wish they would just get it. Like, not be so consumed with all the extras. But then I don't actually live like I get it, you know? Theoretically, I want it to be about Jesus. I know that it's about Jesus. But functionally, it's about everything else. Anything else. So, a question I want to ask myself and all of us tonight is what if, heading into this week, the final days before Christmas, with the help of Emmanuel himself and his mighty spirit inside of us, what would it look like if we were so preoccupied with his presence and his promises? that everything else was actually an afterthought. Maybe we still get all the things done, but we feel differently about it. Like what if his goodness was so consuming to us that all the gifts like truly felt like a bonus? Like everything that we get to give and everything that we get to open up on Christmas, we just feel like, oh my gosh, how, what a blessing is it? that I get to give gifts to my people and that I get to open gifts because God is so good. That's the only reason why we get to be generous at all is because he was generous to us. What if his authority as the light of the world was like so present in our minds that all the actual lights just reminded us of him and like he was the source of wonder so much more than all of the other fun stuff. And I love all the fun Christmas stuff. I'm not a Scrooge, I like really love it. But it's just worth asking the question, what would it even feel like if he really was the forefront of our minds? What if our gratitude for the way that he has reconciled us to us, his kindness, his grace for our own like brokenness and sin? What if gratitude for his own forgiveness just provided the refuge that we need to hold space for anyone else who has wronged us? Or any other relationship that feels broken right now? We get to be on the other side of that first coming of Messiah waiting in the messy middle for him to return and bring justice and bring wholeness and healing. And we have him with us while we wait. So, what if we give ourselves permission this week to feel kind of like a holy discontentment with anything we might feel disappointed about in the coming days? And rather than shaming ourselves and saying, I think something might be wrong with me, Linus, but if that actually tells us that we're feeling something right, and that the disappointment or the dissatisfaction about something not going the way we wanted, and feeling like, "But it's Christmas; it was supposed to be X, Y, and Z." That ache is just a symptom of a bigger ache, which is it was. It's supposed to be Revelation twenty-one when He makes everything new. So what if we just simply paid attention, viewed it as like one of those flashing yellow lights when we feel let down to just pause and think, yeah, I was, I was never supposed to feel satisfied with this. C.S. Lewis, in a commonly um, quoted statement of his, says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. We're like ignorant children who keep asking for more Christmas presents and more Christmas presents and more Christmas presents because we cannot imagine that eternity is actually coming. We are far too easily pleased. 2 Corinthians chapter four. Um, As we wrap up, I just, I love this reminder. Verse 16 says, therefore we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. So perhaps the disappointment that any of us are facing, whether it feels like something small or it feels really heavy, which I imagine in a room with this many people, there's just a litany of things that we all are experiencing, Maybe the disappointment doesn't diminish our gratitude. It just makes more room for it because we are setting our hopes on like the right things. The things that are unseen. Waiting for the absolutely incomparable weight of glory. So tonight we're just invited to decide that the witness, the presence of God is our good news even while things on this side of his return remain unresolved, uncomfortable, whether it's our health, our finances, our marriage, our family, our job, whatever it is that feels wrought with questions or disappointment or frustration. And so whether tonight you're in a place where your life feels just good, and abundant. I bet there are those of you here who feel that where you just think God's goodness is so easy to see right now. I see him everywhere. And then there are those of us who just feel like I can't see him anywhere. I don't know. I don't know where his goodness is. I feel like he's forgotten about me. Maybe you're in a season of like very heavy grief. but as, a way, as the people of God awaiting people, the thing that we have is his presence with us. So just take a second and close your eyes and just consider for a moment God's presence with you. Maybe he feels near and close to you And maybe you feel like, I don't honestly even know why my eyes are shut, there's nothing happening. And maybe he just feels far away. I just wanna read a few scriptures over us tonight um, so that as we go into this week of Christmas, yes, we get to think about his birth, but we also get to think about this next chapter of the story that we get to live in. The promises that he will fulfill Psalm 73, 28 says, As for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, so I can tell about all you do. John 16, 33, Jesus tells his disciples, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Matthew twenty eight twenty. Jesus promises, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Isaiah 41.10, he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Psalm 27.10, Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Psalm 42.8, The Lord will send his faithful love by day, His song will be with me in the night. And then Revelation chapter 21, one more time. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more, grief will be Crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Write because these words are faithful and true. Jesus, we we do, we long for you to come back to make everything new to make everything sad come untrue to bring peace and shalom god would you like fill us with hope to to believe and trust that that's actually going to happen it's not just a nice thought or something to make us feel good it's you're coming So I just pray for each person in this room tonight, wherever they find themselves, whatever they have been walking through this past week, whatever their loved ones have been walking through, whether life feels beautiful or completely tragic, would you just remind each of us of your presence with us. Help us to lean into you this week and to really truly think about you in such a way that all of the extra stuff is just a fun, sweet bonus. We give to others because you've given to us. We look for joy, Jesus, because you've created us for it. So help us to live with holy expectancy regardless of whether our expectations are met or not thank you for your faithfulness jesus